Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 120. Nice. <laughs> One, two, zero. One, two, zero. Hmm. 120 is the years that I think I need to live in order to fulfill my dream of dying in outer space, whether in an orbital space station hmm. or on Mars. And well, not- you know, considering our, our uh, discussion earlier today, if you did live in space, you actually could live to 120 because you would age slower. <laughs> yeah, just like so Earth Kelly. years. Yeah, in Earth years, you would be maybe 120, but in reality, you might be only be 99. <laughs> well, if that means at 99, I get to get up there sooner than 120, I'm excited for that. Yeah, it'd be cool, huh? Ah, I love space, and I can't wait to take a picture of Milky Way from space. We mentioned this before, but I still mm. I can't wait. But welcome back, Brendan. Welcome back, everybody, to the Photog Adventures podcast. Yeah, hope you guys have a good week. Oh. Great week. We had a fantastic week. In fact, right now, it is what? It's like 2 in the morning? 3, 2.30? 2.43 in mm. the morning. We just got done with a fantastic episode with Aaron Bobnick. Yeah. There's yeah. so much juicy content. <laughs> it's awesome. There's yeah. several different 101 discourses on different topics, mm-hmm. compositional topics. The patrons get all of it. Mm-hmm. All you lovingly... Awesome, awesome, lovingly awesome patrons. All of you lovingly awesome <laughs> patrons out there who you. are helping as founders of Photog Adventures, you're going to get such awesome content. Episode 121 is the rest of the Aaron Bobnick interview that we won't have in this one. So when I think mm-hmm. about how's it going this week, I'm just so stoked. I spent Monday talking to Enrico Fassati. I spent Tuesday morning, bright in the morning, talking with Aaron Bobnick. Yeah, yeah. Ah, what a great week for landscape photography. It has been. And uh, I did a lot of fun things um, with my iPhone. Um, Really? Yeah, I did a little video um, in my bedroom doing slow-mo with my iPhone. And that video is going to be released soon. So you guys keep an eye out for that. Is that a pay-to-view something? Are you going to be that, doing that's like not a pay-to-view. That's going to be free on YouTube. Over your head? Free on YouTube, people. <laughs> slow-mo with your iPhone What's in the, the subject in the bedroom? Can we know? No, it's, it's, uh, you're going to find it on YouTube, our YouTube channel. I know. It probably won't be. My wife's just like, oh, I don't know about that title. I'm like, no, trust me. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So, yeah. <laughs> awesome. What's new with me is that I am in a situation where I might be moving again just because I need to. And I'm thinking about a warehouse flex space that Brennan found. That we found. found. Yeah, yeah. It could be glorious. It could be. And I'm going to I'm gonna put my feelers out for another, um, an awesome landlord that I know that may have another property that could fit. And so I'm going to reach out to him tomorrow and find out yes. if there's another one that's similar for maybe a better deal. I don't know. So. Awesome. Photog Adventure Studio might just get a little it bigger. It would be amazing. So thank you guys for joining us. If you guys have not joined us before on a Photog Adventure podcast, thanks for coming along for the ride. You're probably here because of Aaron Bobnick yeah. and this fantastic <laughs> episode, and you just want us to shut up. So let's shut up, and let's get right to it. Let's begin the show at Mark. And I started finding all these misconceptions in the way that people were teaching photography. They're simply... A lot of ideas that are popular out there that that don't seem to be supported by facts. 
So then, Brennan, why do you pick this clip to begin the show? Okay, because I was sitting on my couch looking at, um, I don't know, random videos on YouTube, and this one popped up. Sounds familiar to anyone? Yeah, and yeah, I'm sure everybody <laughs> goes through that now. And uh, I was sitting there with my, my kid was, you know, sitting next to me, and we're just watching stuff on YouTube, and I saw the Northrop video pop up, and I started watching it, and it was a long, I mean, it's 44 minutes long. 44 minutes long, that's a but, rare And this YouTube is a two-year-old episode, and I didn't realize it was two years old, because the studio looks similar than it does now. Right. And um, it's a great look uh, for their studio and so I thought and I didn't know it was two years two years old and well, I started watching and I'm like oh my gosh I'm, it's still, still very relevant yes which is probably why it was popular and was recommended to me and I, I learned a lot of things that were interesting like uh, you know a lot of things that were with ISO a lot of things with focus breathing which is something I definitely experienced when I was doing macro oh, in the right. in the redwoods at 100 millimeter so I, I mean it doesn't it does not zoom it's a hundred millimeter prime and yet when i was when my images were being stacked via magic lantern in my camera automatically stacked in those images i can witness focus breathing from one to ten images it was that dramatic and an extra step in the context of this is that he's using magic lantern to choose different areas on the same frame to focus mm-hmm. and so you're you're not just in the same spot you're focusing now a little more distant a little more distance yes so the lens was move. focus stacking for me automatically versus me manually moving the entire camera and focus stacking that way and with the fact of the camera changing a focus for something up here in the top left corner versus where it focused in the bottom right corner it had warping changing all that breathing yeah, it looked like happening. cropping yeah yeah and so, so some elements are now stretched some aren't mm-hmm. How did you ever get it to combine? With special software, because Photoshop had a horrible time trying to stack that image. It just <laughs> would not do it properly. We talked specifically about the software, Zareen, that mm-hmm. came out in our Macro Photography Podcast an episode or two ago. Mm-hmm. Check that out. And yep. what specifically about the misconceptions can people gain if they watch this Tony Northrup video? You know, it's a, it's a must watch. I mean, it's something that... because he has found time and time again that we go through the this myths of like old wives tales in photography that you don't know are old wives tales until you actually go out there and experiencing and you're just like and you're just like what and then you start questioning like well is that is that real is this happening to me is this a, a, a you know a fact or not and so he is very factual and he does actual like you know when he does reviews he actually reviews them which I like. He takes it scientific method. He does a very it. scientific method, and then he reviews lenses against each other, not just like a review of a single lens, but he'll say, okay, this is the Canon lens, you know, 7200 versus the Nikon 7200, and that's why this lens is better for this, and this lens may be better for this, depending on what you want to do. So I really like his approach, and um, yeah. This is the kind of video I love to leave on YouTube going while I'm working on another project where I oh, yeah. can hear words. Yeah, it's very factual, very good. Yeah. I can let it run and work at the same time. I can't wait to watch it. If you guys are interested in watching this Tony Northrop video, the description in this podcast includes a link right to it. You can go to it right now and enjoy it. And then come back for Aaron Bobnick. Let's go ahead and take our first break of the podcast and we'll come back with the hero of ours. All right. Landscape photographer extraordinaire, Aaron Bobnick. All right. Brendan, you were just talking about the misconceptions photography, and one of the biggest misconceptions I had learning Milky Way photography mm. was that the 500 rule. Now, 600 yes. rules out there, I'm going to do a 500 rule. It's better than another guy over there was saying, oh, the 400 rule is more accurate, and so I deal with that because I like to cut it even more. Well, what's happening is that our lenses aren't the problem. It's not because we have this aperture and this focal length, and that's when we can choose how many seconds to run our shutter mm-hmm. to keep the stars from star trailing. We can't use that old rule anymore because mm-hmm. apparently the 
the camera body comes with the sensor and depending on megapixel and sensor size and some other factors, you have to do all this math called the yep. MPF formula. Right. And the MPF method helps you actually get a more accurate number because I'm going to get start trailing on my Tamron 15 to 30 at wide open at 15 f 2.8 at eight seconds on the MPF rule but on the 400 rule even it allowed me to go up to 15 20 seconds and it's not I've, I've done 15 to 20 seconds and I definitely get trailing I get like a double or triple the size of a star when I want it pinpoint sharp, right? Right. That's my goal. So there's so many things in Milky Way photography that you can learn how to do right and get through some of these misconceptions. And guys, the easiest way is to get out there with someone who knows Milky Way photography, get out to a nice dark sky site, have none of those other distractions, none of those other difficulties, and join yes. a workshop. Hey, and we've got some good workshops coming up this year. So guys, check out our website at photogadventures.com slash workshop. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, everyone. We are so excited to get into the interview we have with Aaron Bobnick tonight. This segment is where we jump into some of the untold stories, mm-hmm. and we encourage people who join us on the podcast to share stories of getting out there. And in this situation, we have an awesome opportunity to hear about unprocessed coming up images to Aaron Bobnick's Yeah, portfolio. so we've got the behind-the-scenes story of the images that aren't even out yet. So when you guys are following her on Instagram <laughs> and other outlets like you know Facebook and stuff, so when she posts these videos, or sorry, when she posts these pictures that she's now processing, that you guys will know exactly what happened before this picture came out. So this is that's pretty awesome. We have got like insider information before it even <laughs> happens. So prepare yourself for a Photog Adventures exclusive Woo-hoo. and for the inspiration of what you got to do to make sure something mm. like this happens to join your portfolio. So enjoy this episode with Aaron Bobnick. Enjoy. These are two images um, that relate to what we were talking about earlier. So I thought they would make... Um, relevant contributions so one of the both in regards to the the topic we were talking about earlier knowledge and planning versus responding Um, Mm -hmm. and they kind of are opposite ends of that spectrum Uh, so uh, I guess I'll take them in order so um, one of them is from the Dolomites and it's a shot uh, this that I took this summer Um, and it's again both of these actually were photographs where I like aerodynamic was able to just sort of jump in for a few seconds <laughs> during a workshop, mm. <laughs> which is very rare, like I said. Um, and the, the first one, it was this, uh, it's a place where I, I've been taking workshops for years and uh, with this beautiful massif of it, uh, talk about Stonehenge. You'd mentioned that in that um, uh, ep- <laughs> uh, uh, segment that I'd watched this morning where you're dissecting my photo. Um, it looks very much <laughs> like that from this one vantage point that I uh, photographed it in, in the image that I'm going to release. And oh, uh, so I had a, I had a, uh, a group with me and we were, um, I was trying to get them to this one vantage point because uh, this is on the knowledge end of the spectrum planning and that sort of thing. I could see the conditions shaping up for something really special to happen oh, on that oh, side oh. of things. And uh, it means quite a bit more walking and this is a sunrise and this is deep into a hiking adventure workshop um so you know everyone's starting to feel a little lazy at this point (laughs) (laughs) and um so we get outside and there's this kind of whimper of a 
of a sunrise. It's not really um, very colorful, but there's a little bit and just enough to sort of make them think, okay, this is good. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, (laughs) like, oh, this looks great. And they start getting their cameras out. Like, well, I actually have something else in mind. If you're you're willing to forgo the color, (laughs) we need Mm, to move now. That's a big question. um, (laughs) What what I can see developing here means we got to throw this moment. You know, we got to let it go. It wasn't that wow, awesome that's... to where it was sort of a bird in the hand kind of thing. It was sort of like, eh, you know, <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I got them about halfway to this point, and then they see something else. <laughs> and they were like, oh, mm-hmm. look at them. It was like, yeah, that's, that's kind of okay, too. <laughs> but we got to go further, really, and then we shouldn't really dawdle here. But at that point, it was like, all right, let's just. Maybe we can take a couple of minutes. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there just sort of twitching, seeing everything uh, get. The, I could see there was mist down in the valley. Yeah. And I knew what happened because I've been here so many times is that the mist was going to rise as the air temperature changed. And it was going to start blowing through um, the, the Stonehenge. <laughs> wow. and, um, and right as the sun was about to come up, like actual sunlight, Ooh, not pre-dawn yeah. where there's color in the sky, but it, we were going to get a really awesome side-lit mist situation. Slightly Ooh. backlit, you know. <laughs> we know what that's like. That's really yeah. fantastic conditions that are actually pretty rare, but I could see it coming. And um, <sighs> so it was I just sort of like, <laughs> it felt like the Pied Piper just trying to lure them down <laughs> to this area. <laughs> One stop We're after another. Those, We've never done that before. <laughs> those beautiful distractions are falling for them. You don't know what you're missing. <laughs> but yeah, so finally, uh, you know, I get them down there and, and uh, and it was and exactly what I had hoped would happen did. And um, wow. it's yes. actually a shot that I had been hoping to get for a long time. It's not one that anybody has, and and uh, because these conditions are kind of unique. And uh, now you know now they have it too. <laughs> but uh, but they were all they you know they I gave them all pride of place, and then I just had to sort of like jump in there for about a minute, <laughs> do what I could, oh, you're sort such of a working good in between That's... a couple of them, but. Yeah, it it was one of those uh, one of those situations where having that kind of knowledge uh, enabled me to to put them in the right place at the right time, so to speak. Right. But it's not right. always like that. <laughs> so, yeah. um, moving on to the other one was just Real quick before you move on to uh-huh. that, I want to emphasize, guys, she knew what would happen from knowledge and experience of being in this area. She's seen it happen before and didn't get a capture of it. And so she saw the elements leading to it. Mm-hmm. Not only would she recognize it when it happened as, oh, well, this is the thing I missed last time. She also knew minutes, I would say 10, 15 minutes, Aaron. Was it a good 15 minutes before it happened? You saw it coming? Oh, more than that. More than that yeah, even. And that little hike to get to this point. So I could see a good hmm, half hour, at least out, what was going to happen. That's incredible. That it absolutely requires many experience, many hours there in this location right, to insight. be able to yeah. predict that. That's fantastic. Yeah. And it's not just this location, it's sort of the Dolomites region, as you probably know, I've been working that for a good decade and I know the weather patterns. I know how things work. Mm. I mean, I just have this intimate knowledge, uh, not only of the topography, but also the little microclimates and how things kind of work. So uh, I could kind of see the potential for what was going to happen. 
Guys, this is a priceless example of exactly why you need to get out to places more and experiencing some skunked moments and some moments mm-hmm. that you couldn't capture it mm-hmm. so you know the area so you can capture it. And another perfect and wonderful example for why you need to go on a workshop and invest some time right. with the workshop leader who knows an area because they're going to be able to tell you that color's great, but there's something greater coming mm-hmm. and they'll be over there twitching and waiting for you to follow her so that mm-hmm. you can get to what was a bucket list image of hers and you get to have it too (laughs) more or less that's one of the benefits yeah so Hmm. open up your wallet get your credit card out go to arabobnick.com and get a workshop (laughs) so what was the story number two i mean can you beat number one Uh, um well number two i think is the other end of the spectrum where you know there are those things where you can see the potential for something developing and you can try to make try to make the most of it um you know those sorts of planning and knowledge situations. And then there are those moments where you, you just have to see and respond and, and, and try to, you know, um, feet on the ground, um, thinking on your feet kind of thing, right? So right. you're there, make the most of it. Um, I'm not saying yeah. that there's always a shot to be made, but it's not a bad idea to, um, to work a situation. So often I think people get right. caught up in this idea of like, I'm just, you know, I have to be inspired. Well, you know, inspiration comes about through, through working, working with things, <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. sometimes you, you, an idea comes or that you wouldn't have ever planned for, you know, because you just happen to be there and you see mm-hmm. something. Uh, so this, this other image is one from Iceland, um, again with a workshop and, uh, nice. we were, um, we did a, uh, oh gosh, I think it was a 12 day workshop, um, and mostly in the Icelandic highlands and then part of it in Reykjavik where we were doing seminars. And, uh, so we've spent a full nine days in deep in the Iceland, Icelandic highlands where we didn't see a paved road or another photographer for nine days in Iceland. Um, that's amazing. Pretty remote. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, just, oh my gosh, some of the, the areas were just, it's, it's just unbelievable out there. So we had, um, we did this expedition style where I brought a, uh, cook and I hired two Icelandic guides. Uh, so we had two monster trucks <laughs> and, uh, we just went yeah. out and stayed in huts and just went totally remote the whole time. No oh, hotels. Awesome. <laughs> and, um, I want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it was one of the most spectacular nine days of my life for sure. But we did get a lot of, uh, weather. So we had mm. full on sideways rain uh, for several mm. days, and uh, it's got to be cold. Yeah, it's it's and so it's just like gnarly, just ripping wind with uh, <laughs> this pouring <laughs> rain at the same time, and it's like you know really hard to protect the gear and to get any shots <laughs> in that kind of situation. Keep the lens dry oh, and all of that. So the. Yeah. The first day we, we did make a few little uh, attempts and we went out and um, and then the second day it was even worse. And uh, so um, I just said, let's do an indoor seminar um, on creativity. And I was working with uh, one of my partners, uh, Alexander Deschamps, French photographer, who's uh, awesome. And he and I both take a great interest in discussing creativity. So we impromptu put together and I've done this actually before. So I. Mine wasn't. Mine was perhaps a little less impromptu, but it, well, nonetheless, we put this together mm-hmm. for them right there in the hut, and 
they just couldn't stop. It went for hours and hours and hours and they had a wonderful time, but you can only do that for so many days, you know? <laughs> so, right, right. So the next day uh, we're like, we just got, let's just go out, you know, um, we'll just go and see what happens. Um, so again, sideways rain, we go rolling out with the monster trucks and uh, we were just sort of like a, a rolling creative odyssey. And at this point, we were literally because all bets are off with planned stuff. Like, that's just not happening. <laughs> so, so location knowledge is only getting us so far on this one. Uh, so we decided to go to one place um, where it was going to be uh, kind of accessible and we could see in some different directions. But that was about all we had going for us. And we got out there and... Nice. Uh, Everybody was just sort of, well, we can look at the ground and work with some of these interesting patterns in the sand. And so there was that. So, you know, there was that idea. <laughs> and um, everyone was right. kind of focused on that. And Alexander's really good at um, directing people towards stuff like that also. And so uh, I just wandered off towards the shore of the lake and uh, totally just happened upon this amazing black little jetty in the lake that spiraled out in this amazing whorl. Um, I've never seen a photo of anything like it. And um, uh, I'm just, it's just made for photography. And at that point, that's all I could see was the whorl because there was so much atmosphere, so much weather. And we were at, on, on this lake and that was as far as I could see. <laughs> so um, wow. I just called everyone over. I was like, Hey guys, check this out. It's incredibly beautiful. And, um, so, you know, everyone kind of lined up around it and I, I cautioned them against getting too close because we didn't want to mess up the sand. And so we were all kind of uh, lined up a- around this thing. And then the, the, the atmosphere in the distance cleared up sort of like what happened with Flowers for Miles just long enough Ooh. to reveal a volcano uh, with beautiful no green moss all over it just on the other side of the lake. And getting that to wow. balance out with the whorl was not hard to do. And so I have this uh, mm. sort of zen-like composition with this really, it's it's a quiet moment, you know, but it's nonetheless pretty majestic. And I think it has a certain kind of epicness about it that you can only get when there is this sort of somber, subtle, you know, simplicity everywhere. And then this wonderful spiral um, pulling it all together. So... Huh. That was not something I could ever have planned for. It wasn't really based on any location knowledge. There's no way I could right. have predicted that, you know, we were going to see the mountain or, or at all. Um, but it's right. you know, just a matter of being able to uh, be attracted to things that you think might work, to go check them out. I had to walk quite a ways. It was probably much further than anybody wanted to walk in the rain. But I could see this little something <laughs> sticking out from the lake, and I thought I'd go check it out. And that kind of thing, <laughs> just following your nose, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. When you made the effort too of the two days before being socked in by th- with rain, but not giving up, and yeah. you know, and that's one of those things you get the you get the prize at the end for sticking it out. Sometimes and getting right? out finally and going somewhere despite yeah. saying, "Well, it's still more rain, but let's get out there in it anyway." Mm-hmm. And uh, you said it that you really couldn't see all that far in front of you because of the weather, and so to pick something out like that, you're amazing that you found this and this spiral jetty i'm imagining the soil or this the way it was formed is probably so temporary yeah so you're at the right time and never can repeat it no probably not unless yeah yeah, i I, i'll be surprised if that's exactly like that ever again but who knows 
Maybe it's a common oh, right. occurrence there. <laughs> and both of these are images that you're going to be adding to your portfolio because Aaron Bobnick is famous for just releasing only really the best. <laughs> and you don't add tons of pictures every year to what, say, is Aaron Bobnick's portfolio. And these two made it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've said quite a bit about that in another whole other podcast episode that was dedicated to that topic. But I believe that mm. it's a good exercise for every photographer to, to go through Maybe, you know, after you've been at it for a long time and you've you've put, you know, everybody, I did too. And early on, I went through that phase where I just processed everything, you know, and that's great. Mm -hmm, yeah. um, I mean, I still do tons of processing. It's just showing people <laughs> everything that you've done. Right. It's not necessary. Right. Um, and, but back in the day, yeah, I'd, if I processed it, I worked on it, people were going to see it, you know. And then after a while, <laughs> that sense of restraint set in where I was like, well, there is another skill and that is curation and self-curation. I think mm. that that is something you also need to develop. It's not just learning composition. It's not just learning how to process the images. It's also learning to kind of sit back and decide which of these really uh, say something about where you're going, which of them rise above, not just sort of like on any kind of um, absolute level, but relative to where you've been and what interests you, which of them fit. Yeah. I think it's a good exercise. It is a tremendous skill to have. And I think that it's something that people's trying to build a following on an Instagram feed or your social media or just following your portfolio. If you have the skill of curation of only your best, I think people will know who you are, your talent much quicker, and they're more eager to follow as they won't be in essence, spammed, just your everything. Yeah. yeah I mean, because I mean, the bottom line is nobody wants to sit through Uncle Phil's two-hour slideshow <laughs> yeah, of every picture he took, exactly. and you don't want to be that person. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, social media, it's important that you bring that up because I think that's what's causing a lot of people to overproduce and just toss things out there. And mm. it's actually, I think, not helping them a lot of the time. Sometimes it does. Maybe sure. you'll, you'll get numbers that way of like kind of useless followers and likes people aren't really right, that right. Eh, they'll follow anybody you know <laughs> yeah they followed everybody that posted that hour and you just happened to post that exactly hour. Right. um but <laughs> if you really want followers who really care and they're and like you speaking of influence in the true sense where they really like what you're yeah. doing um it's going to be because you put some effort into choosing stuff for them I think. Mm. I mean, I've only ever posted 37 photos to Instagram and I'm no in Instagram juggernaut that I'm averaging more than something like 2000 followers per image posted because wow. I don't just toss everything out there. Right. So right. if you, it, you, you don't have to necessarily go for quantity, you can, you know, kind of pull back, I think, and still accomplish your goals on social media. That yeah. is awesome to hear as Brendan and I are of uh we're of a mindset of getting out of obscurity someday. And <laughs> the idea that perhaps quantity is our avenue versus quality and maybe just switching back and going to quality. We'll have to really yeah. decide on that because yeah. we're how much time do we have to get out of obscurity? How much time do we want to waste? <laughs> if you guys want to hear more about Erin Bobnick talking about this topic, she has a great podcast with Nick over in the Landscape Photography Podcast that talked about this. Mm. But was there also another podcast, Erin, that you were on that discussed this topic specifically? I think that was the one where we got in. I, I've probably brought it up in other, other ones, but I don't remember. True. 
Okay, awesome. I didn't want to not mention that one as well, but I know firsthand that Nick did a great podcast with you on that topic. Mm. Yeah. So fantastic. I can't wait till these images exclusively feature on the Photog Adventures photo <laughs> Instagram feed, so keep paying attention to that, guys. Aaron Bobnick will show up someday when we steal it from her and post it and say, look what Aaron Bobnick did. After they see the picture, think it's awesome, click on the like, and then notice my comment saying, look at what Aaron Bobnick made. <laughs> if we if happen to be lucky enough to be in the same area, we can photo bomb one of hers and then you know <laughs> right she'll be in there. blend us right out of that <laughs> shot so aaron i'll ask this question first and i'll leave you with brennan on the gear if you were to look at a technique and post that maybe you do the most or is your favorite could you pick one probably the the mm. color toning that i do i put a lot of emphasis on mm. that yeah a lot of people um don't bother because it's a lot of work <laughs> but I, I think that's a, yeah. a huge part of how I how I finesse my compositions. If you were to give us the table of contents of a Cliff's Note book about Aaron Bobnick's color toning process, what would the table of contents say? Um, probably uh, separating out uh, highlights and shadows using color. Okay. So interesting. Yeah, getting things to pull forward. Uh, or push back using cool colors or warm colors. And usually that means letting the shadows go cooler and the highlights go warmer. Just because there's such an opposite end, being cooler and warmer, you get an extra dynamic between yeah, shade and light. Yeah, mm -hmm. so you get more sense of depth that way and you also get more control over if you want something to sort of fall into the shadows and take a back seat more, you just, you can, you know, tint it a little cooler than it would be otherwise. And it, and it can take a back seat to stuff. Whereas if you let it be bright and warm, uh, it'll sometimes come real for, come, come forward when you don't want it to. Right. Good way to get awesome. rid of those distractions, you know? Yes. Mm -hmm. And like I'm that. also assuming that you use strictly Photoshop when you're doing this. But would you say for those Lightroom users out there who are intimidated by using Photoshop or just don't want to get into another program, can they do or succeed at any of this level using anything yeah. in Lightroom? Yeah, Lightroom has a split toning panel, uh, and that's pretty useful. It's a little limited because you don't have control over the mid-tones and three-quarter tones and quarter tones like you would with the technique that I use in Photoshop. But you can, it can, okay. some of them, that'll get you close enough, you know. And likewise, with uh, the new brush controls that now have some masking abilities, um, you yeah. can do quite a lot. Yeah. With selecting yeah, areas, a little bit of luminosity masking almost—it's mm -hmm. great. Yeah, they do have. Yeah, they do have a luminosity uh, ability now, which is great. It's been very helpful with Milky Way stuff. Awesome. I should ask this here, but I want to emphasize it again later at the end of the podcast, quickly. But do you have a paid tutorial that we can get to learn your technique of color toning? <laughs> get that question more than any other. Um, <laughs> had, had my house and office not burned down in November, uh, the answer would be yes at this point, but um, I'm a little <sighs> that behind is now. A tragedy. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so, no. We didn't want to bring up the tragedy and bring in that situation, but to hear that a priceless course was almost done and it was all there, <laughs> oh, oh, my man. heart well, hurts even well, more than it already did. Yeah, it wasn't almost done done but i was setting up the studio there to be able to produce it oh, right, okay right. but then it's just a matter of time and maybe we'll see it again in 2019 yeah but until then i do have the color theory article on the photo cascadia blog that goes quite in quite in depth about the basics of what i find important about using color theory and 
the way that I use color theory is to sort of dump the theory. <laughs> so that, that's what that article is. It's, it's mm, trying to make it actually useful to people, stuff that they can actually work dead with. It's Poet right. Society, yeah. first day, tear the textbook up. <laughs> All right, awesome. Yeah, no jargon or any of the, the stuff that's really not useful. It's like, what can you run with? Here, here's the stuff. Right. right. <laughs> that's awesome. That's going to be a great course. And guys, you could also follow it in the description. Uh, the, in the description down below, you'll see the link for that photo cascade article i'll get you guys that for the post so aaron i just want to talk to you about gear for a minute and um I, i'm assuming you're a canon user yeah you mentioned canon they sponsor times. me yeah okay um is there a particular uh so let's just say generically like a, a particular like focal length so say whether you're an icon or sony user they could still you know correlate with this information but is there a certain like focal length or lens that you just have to always have or other or or if there's another piece of accessory or equipment that you basically consider a must have in your bag that you never go you know without what would that be uh well i will say, i won't say never but um my two favorite <laughs> lenses and again this mm -hmm. this is in that extreme focal length article that i wrote uh for canon uh, are the 11 to 24 and the 100 to 400, both of which nobody would consider oh. standard landscape photography lenses. Right. So I right. love working those extremes. I love 400 millimeters. I have quite a few of those images. And I love using 11 millimeters, at least for the foreground in a lot of images. Yeah, I've, I've used that 100 to 400 before. It's really fun lens. Oh, so fun. Yeah. Especially in Death Valley. That was a lot of fun yep. to have that lens in Death yep. Valley. It's awesome for the dunes, for the badlands, mm -hmm. um, and the dolomites. Yeah. It's fantastic for isolating um, atmosphere swirling around peaks. Uh, it's, yeah, it's mm. so much fun. And the, and the thing about both of those extremes is that you're actually working with things that are, you kind of have to learn to see them. They're not obvious. Like stuff yeah. that you're shooting at 35 millimeters, that's kind of how you're seeing things. That's right in front of you. Those mm -hmm. those sorts of landscapes or tend to be more the more obvious types. When you're working right. with 11 millimeters, you're getting down to things that maybe are so small, most people would walk right past them. <laughs> and right. at 400 millimeters, you're dealing with things that are so small because they're so far away that most people wouldn't even notice them. So they're both, it take, they take quite a bit of exploration and um, yeah, I find that part practice, of it really probably, exciting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because it is something that puts you into that almost that extreme area that you're not really used to. Yeah. And, it, and for me, that's a lot more fun. Yeah. Shooting that, with, shooting that with those, yeah. Yeah, it's not the thing that's just cool. sort of bam right there. It's something that you found and, you know, um, my, my talk that I did for B&H, I talk about exploration with a telephoto lens. You know, you don't have to move your mm. feet and you can... You can usually pop right. off, you know, especially in a place like the Dolomites. You've got all these peaks and atmosphere swirling around. You don't even have to move, and you could probably get a whole bunch of compositions, you know, right there, you know, because right. you can just zoom right. in on different stuff. That's when you're awesome. doing this kind of telephoto photography, how do you make your foreground shine? Because a lot of times it's sort of this over the cliff mid-ground becomes the first thing you see. Can you make yeah. something feel like the foreground? I think there are two ways. I think telephoto compositions tend to work best on the uh, the concept of layering. So I st I'm still using okay. hierarchy. I've still got the, you know, the primary point of interest and in all of that. But if you have, you can build in a sense of depth if you have um, a, a, a layer 
and then another one, and then another one, and another one, such that it is sort of like foreground, middle ground, background. They're just more compressed. Mm. So you mm-hmm. can get gotcha. that through repetition of form in the mountains themselves, um, or you can right. get that uh, very easily through the atmosphere. Uh, in a lot of these areas where you get a lot of it, you get a bunch of atmosphere swirling around a mountain peak, and then you've got sort of like rock mm. clouds, rock clouds, rock clouds, or even just clouds, clouds, different shading and layers of clouds all you know built up around a peak, and they can do interesting things to frame it, and you get you get that sense of layering that way. Yeah, that's one of the things that we notice here in the Rocky Mountains that you know when you get high enough, you can see the 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 mountain peaks fade out, you know, gradually after layers mm-hmm. of that atmosphere in between them. And it's just, and as a photographer, you're just like, gosh, how do I really capture that? And yeah. it's with something like a really extreme zoom lens. Well, the, some mountains. Is going to capture that, right? Like to In Colorado, now I haven't spent a whole lot of time out there. Um, I know you have some prominent peaks, but it does help if you have something out there that's a little more prominent, unless you just go for an all over patterning, like I was talking about, Mm. you know, earlier. Ah, yeah. Um, Mm. Sometimes that'll work too, where there's enough sameness that the eye reads it as a pattern and it abstracts in that sense. Um, Mm. But otherwise, some mountain ranges just lend themselves to that kind of photography, such as the Dolomites, also the the bad the dunes, you know, where you have these prominent bits that you yeah. can kind of focus on. Yeah. Yeah. Well, label this podcast, mm. we pick the brain of Aaron Bobnick because, <laughs> man, we are sitting here having this fortunate conversation that is a complete... 101 lesson in composition, 101 lesson in dealing with situational moments and how to get the color theory just right, 101 lessons on how to use your gears and gear in ways that maybe you haven't. Mm-hmm, uh, just mm-hmm. We're so lucky to have you, Aaron, on this episode. Thank you so much for joining us and taking time with us today. Oh, it's very generous of you to say. It's really my pleasure. <laughs> we are Thank you. very lucky to have you. And people who are maybe, I mean, if there's anyone out there who's listening to me right now who don't doesn't already know Aaron Bob, Nick, how can they find you and where could they put their money with a workshop with you? AaronBobnick.com. <laughs> uh, That's uh, really the, the best place to find all of that. Uh, you can also find me on Photocascadia uh, and other, other other websites might include the Canon website where uh, I produce some some stuff <laughs> and I work with Canon on cool. workshops and that sort of thing. I could vouch for you if you go to their website and then sign up for her newsletter, anything that she publishes, she will give you a link for mm-hmm. or a podcast mm-hmm. that she's on. And so you can find those other great articles that go out to multiple websites. You might not find without Googling for it and right, you can right. get a hold of them and find them easily. Yeah. Definitely cool. sign up for my, my newsletter because I, because I travel so much. Um, you might not get a whole lot from me on social media. <laughs> oh, right, right. Try to stay in touch with me. One, one place yes. where I am actually pretty active is on my Instagram stories. So not so much the posts, oh, but I okay. do that quite a lot. Yeah. You know, cool. the one thing about Instagram stories that I can subscribe to someone and follow their feed and their Instagram stories show up, but then there's these people who post so many Instagram stories that to find Aaron Bobnick's in there, I really have to scroll through that. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah, I, I wish I could say I'm following all these people, but I subscribe specifically to her story and I just kind of feature it or get oh, yeah. focused on it. I wonder if Instagram yeah. will ever do something like that but you can always go to her facebook page do you share your instagram story directly to your facebook page too so we can find it there uh it does go to the facebook stories automatically facebook stories automatically perfect cool because that i can control i can find that much (laughs) easier (laughs) awesome aaron thank you so much for taking time with us before you go out on your next adventures and just 
we didn't mention it. We didn't want to make this podcast about you having a reveal about everything that went horrible for you with your house fire. Yeah. But I got to ask you this. Uh Driving in the road and going through walls of flames? Pretty nuts. How horrifying was that? Pretty nuts. Yeah. I I actually just started having nightmares about it. I didn't for the first, Mm. I don't know, six, I've forgotten how long it's been, but just in the last couple of weeks, I'm starting to have nightmares about it because I'm still processing that. Wow. Oh, geez. Yeah, I bet. What a horror. I am so sorry. I'm so glad that people have stepped in to help you. I hope that their help is something and enough. And I can't wait to hear that you're in a new place again and you're happy mm-hmm. with something. that She just moved into this home. She just moved into it and then it had to have so this happen. I was in it for one week and the whole thing burned Holy down. Holy cow. <laughs> Holy cow. Pretty. pretty I'm glad you could Yikes. laugh about it right yeah. now. It's so fresh and still you can already mm-hmm. laugh. You have a great perspective on life, a great perspective on photography. Thank you, Aaron. Really appreciate the time. It really is my pleasure. Thank you. And I just typed into Google photogadventures.com slash workshop. And I see that we have our dates available for our Southern Utah workshops, April and May. Escalante workshop, which is still technically Southern Utah, but an yeah. amazing part of Very it. Very focused on Escalante. Oh man, Escalante is just amazing. We got one of the, <laughs> we got May, June and July open. Yes, the oh, July, is the July outing is actually only two nights. So if you guys can't oh, afford the okay. full price of the workshop, but you still want to go and you're thinking, I can go out to this area and spend at least two nights with these two guys. Two spectacular nights. And then go to yeah. other places places on my own where I don't have to pay for a guide and a group to go with, mm-hmm. this is your chance to come learn milk photography with us for two nights and then take that experience and knowledge on to other locations. Oh, it's such a great spot too. So dark skies. And then we got Crater Lake and Oregon Coast Workshops in June and August. That is going to be fantastic. Those are like the best times to go. Absolutely. And man, it just, we just get the best shots there. They're the best because in June, you can get a full panorama at Crater Lake. It's just after the snow melts. It's, so it's the best time to go. It might even be too early sometimes, but that panorama is the priority. Mm-hmm. It's so clear, beautiful weather. It's before all the wildfires begin. So June's best for Crater Lake. And then Oregon Coast out there on the beach in August, it's, it's just sunsets and immediately mm-hmm. the Milky Way's up. You don't have to wait until the crack of dawn or wait until two or three in the morning. I know. Then you can go and get a nice dinner afterwards and it's still early. It's fantastic. It's amazing fun. Yeah. Join us out there, guys. Go to photogadventures.com forward slash workshop and learn Milky Way photography in 2019 with Photog Adventures. Awesome. Hey, welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, guys. We're just going to close out this podcast now and just say, man, that was just amazing talking to Erin about oh, yes. incredible incredible experiences that she's had and then just to know some more about picking her brain about some of her some of her thoughts and processing and how she comes into a scene and how she looks at it and how she composes it using color theory as the top priority it's just that's it's amazing it's awesome tip about pulling in a specific color in the cold spectrum versus Mm -hmm. a warm spectrum color when you want to have a nice add an extra level of dimension between your shadows and your highlights yeah draw that dynamic difference that just takes your eyes and your mind to okay absolute opposites these are definite Mm -hmm. shadows Mm -hmm. and i don't know what that would look i would i should take something that i already have where i like the dynamicy in it Mm -hmm. and then Put some color theory into it and see how much better it looks afterwards. I'm tempted to do the same thing. So that's something I'm going to work on uh, this week for sure. 
And I'm not kidding, guys, when I say listen to those other podcasts that Aaron Bobnick is on. Oh, yeah. And get out to her workshops and join her because you're going to have an experienced person up in place like a Dolomiti or the Val d'Osto that yeah. has just beautiful terrain. And you might think the color over there is so much better. And she knows that you've got this mist rising right. over here coming. And you don't want to miss that. So much and- better than a guide. I mean, she <sighs> is actually reading the signs of the, of the weather and actually telling you, Come here. This is going to be amazing. She's so. an archaeologist interpreting the, the right. stone and the wind, and putting your finger in her mouth and licking it and putting your hand in the air going, <laughs> oh, okay, the wind's coming from that direction. We need to be there in 30 minutes, guys. Go, 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 go. Right, right. So awesome. Aaron Bobnick, if you're listening to this, again, thank you. And just, man, you're so generous with your knowledge and skills so that people can grow in their own talents. Thank you so much. Yeah. And guys, don't forget to get out there and Gather some more experience and go to those same locations that you know this is good composition. Wait for the right weather. Make the effort because it'll pay off. Absolutely. If there's anything we can make you guys do and beg you to do, it's get out there with a camera and have a photog adventure of your own. Go get out there more and have some adventures. Get out there. Yep. We'll see you guys. Have a good week.